Welcome to Campfire Football. This is episode 64. It's the beginning of the Euros. As I am recording this, the first match is two hours away from kicking off. And because the end of the European season was just so insane, so tight and packed, and then my own personal coaching life was so tight and packed, I wasn't really able to do a whole lot of setup for this as maybe I would have liked to. And I've seen a lot of podcasters out there do some really cool legwork to get going for this. It's excited me. It's made me inspired as well. So today I'm just going to give a little bit of a breakdown of the tournament before it gets going. I just want to focus on the group stages, talk about which teams I think have a good shot of getting through, which ones I think may struggle, and overall just get things kicked off and then it's a whole month of Euros. So as we get started here, Group A. I'm just going to go ahead and kick it right off the bat. Group A, Italy, Switzerland, Turkey, Wales. Italy are the form team. I don't think they haven't lost in about three years. Mancini has a really good balanced unit going. There's not really any superstars in this team that are, you know, major ones of note that maybe other teams have and will struggle to fit in and build a team around. I think that this is a really good solid Italy team. Um, you know, I, I thought Mancini, one thing he did that was really interesting was bring. I think he registered something like 30 players for the uh, friendlies that they had, and he really chopped and changed and tried to just get the best look he could at everybody. And so they really do look ready, and Italy are flying under the radar in a way. I think everyone understands that they're capable of going a long way, but because they don't have significant star power and they don't really wipe the floor with any of the teams they play, they seem to be kind of a dark horse for actually winning the whole thing. And I think that's a decent shout. We'll see, obviously, once you get out of the group stage, everything changes. Switzerland. Look, Switzerland are a weird team because they always have a good side. And they tend to do pretty well in qualifying. And when they arrive at the tournament, it really just comes down to how the group can rise beyond and actually beat teams that are just that little bit level above them instead of sort of predictably, predictably falling where they sort of should land. There's players throughout the course of this, the last decade or so, who have made the Swiss a far better team. Granit Xhaka, Jordan Shakiri, just to name a couple. And 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 I think what, we, what, what I would like to see from them is just an extra step up in quality. The problem is they're in a group with Turkey, who the, they are good. They have a massive squad of really talented players from youth all the way up to experience. You've got Burak Yilmaz, Jeki Celik, and Yusuf Yazici, who are all just title winners for Lille and, and very important players in that title-winning team. You've got Suyuncu and Chenki Zunder, who are both from Le- both at Leicester. Mehdi Demiral from Juve. Hakan Chananoglu from Milan. I mean, look out. That's th- There's a lot of good players. And then beyond, th- they have a lot of guys who just have grit and grind experience in the Turkish league as well, they're going to be a tough team to beat. I think Turkey will probably be the ones getting out of the group with Italy at the expense of Switzerland and, of course, Wales, who, look, I'm curious to see what they're able to do. I'd love to see Ethan Ampadu have a good tournament. There's other young players that are coming through for Wales that are interesting, but overall, I just don't know if Gareth Bale can bring the star power he's going to need to get them over the line. Aaron Ramsey, we haven't seen a lot of in the last couple years. So, tough group. I'd say Wales would be a team that I would give a little bit of a shot to maybe finish above the Swiss, but I think the Turks and the Italians will be too strong. On to group B, Belgium, Denmark, Finland, Russia. This is a very interesting group because 
I, I think Finland and Russia are both in this similar category of, well, there's not a whole lot for them to work with, right? You got Timu Puki for, for Finland, who's been scoring loads of goals for Norwich in the last couple of years. Alexander Golovin for Russia has really come through in his time at Monaco, and, and that's helped. But we're going to see if Russia actually is as good as they were in 2018 or if the home crowd was just such a major factor in them advancing as far as they did in the World Cup and causing the stir that they did, really. Finland, they're, they're going to be a difficult unit to beat, but do they have enough in the games that really matter? And I think the game that's going to matter for both Russia and Finland is the Denmark match. Now, look, Belgium, I think, are going to be clear favorites in this group. They're still completely star-studded. And although a lot of people say, well, that golden generation is, is, is you know, going to graduate and they're not going to be able to have won anything. Well, you know, remember that they also have this enormous amount of young talent that's still coming through. It's as if the golden generation is not totally gone. I think when we talk about golden generation, we really focus on Eden Hazard, Kevin De Bruyne, Romelu Lukaku, Thibaut Courtois. I think that's the main the main bulk of it. Vertonghen, Aldevireld, also part of that. But I, I, I think Belgium are going to be very, very strong in the group stages. Now the question is, how well will all of their main top, top players, how well will they be able to cope once they get further in the tournament and teams start to really lock the door on them? But I do, I do think they will have very little trouble in this group stage. Denmark, I think, will also go through with them. They are quality. They're a solid together side. And they have, again, a very good blend of experience and uh, and youth. I mean, they've got Simon Kier, right, who's been around for, it feels like, forever. And then they've got Andreas Christensen, Yannick Vestivard, Philip Billing, Pierre-Emil Hoiberg, Dolberg, Braithwaite, Poulsen, Andreas Cornelius, Matthijs Jorgensen. There's, there's a lot there in terms of a solid squad. And then on top of that, Denmark always plays with quality, technical quality and organization. And there may be a few surprise players, a few surprise packages that come through. I'm excited to see what they can do. And I do think that they will advance out of the group with Italy. Yeah, and as I say, Finland and Russia, I just I don't really see them able to get past Denmark. And I do think that Belgium is going to beat up on pretty much everybody in the group. Group C. Now, this is weird. This is probably the weakest group in the whole tournament when you look at it on paper, but should be really, really exciting. Austria, Holland, North Macedonia, and Ukraine. There's a lot here that is really unpredictable. Okay, Austria, another team like Switzerland who do very, very well in qualifying a lot of the time. Sometimes sometimes they 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 can they they get second place. Sometimes they're they're leading their group for a good while. When they get to these tournaments, we never really, really see much from them. And it'll be interesting to see if if this crew can, you know, put something together. They've got Sabitzer, Baumgartner, Lazaro, Arnautovic. These are players that do very well in the Bundesliga. Obviously, Arnautovic still in China, I believe. Um, but I'm really not impressed by Austria. I, I don't think they're, they're that strong of a side. Holland, oof, under Frank de Boer, they've looked really rough. It's it not very coherent. And and the crazy thing is, a lot of people think, well, this Holland team, there's not very many good players. Well, Frankie de Jong, you've got Delict, you've got Memphis Depay, Jeannie Vinaldum, and there's a whole host of other players that complement the side in different ways. 
I just don't really know if DeBoer is going to be able to get this team past what is essential any further than what is a weird group and a sort of weak one at that. You've got North Macedonia who got their way through sort of at the last chance. They also beat Germany on the way in, but they're relying on like a 40-year-old Goran Pandev to, to make the difference for them. And I think they'll be a nice story. I think they, you know, if they can shave points off of a few teams in this group, they could cause a surprise. I do think North Macedonia are going to be out. And I think Ukraine are the team that's going to follow Holland out of the group. Because, look, they, they fly under the radar really well. I, I, I've watched Ukraine a couple times, in the, a few times in the last year and a half or so. Because they've played against France either in Nations League or Friendly or some quarter qualifying multiple times. And their team is totally different every time. reason why they've had... COVID outbreaks, which, you know, put like every single one of their, you know, first team players out. So they had to have a totally different team who played very well. And they do have some stars that have started to kind of filter their way into the European game. We all know about Alexander Zinchenko, obviously at Man City. But then there's Malinovsky from Atalanta, Stepanenko, and then Yarmolenko as well from West Ham. There's some quality in this side, and they're also very well organized. Andrei Shevchenko, the manager. So, I, yeah, I think Holland, Ukraine have got to be the two favorites to exit from the group. And, look, Ukraine are the type of side that, you know, if they're organized and solid and their big players can stay fit and actually score some goals this tournament, who knows where they could go and what kind of fe feathers they could ruffle along the way through. If they can get out of the group, I think they have a chance of just causing problems to whoever they face in the, in the next round. Group D, this is one of the ones that has a lot of conversations surrounding it. Croatia, Czech Republic, England, and Scotland. Now, it's fun to see England and Scotland in a group together. Love that. And as well as seeing Croatia and England in a group because of the history that they had in the World Cup semifinal, that game really, really made the English feel like, okay, we got to get back at this. We got to find some way to right this wrong. So I think the English are... Even though, it's a, even though it's a relatively different team, I think this is a, a, a match that England really, really, really know that if they can win, if they can beat Croatia, they should put themselves in a really good position to get out of the group. The problem is the Czech Republic, they're a pretty solid unit. And Scotland are, well, they're playing with house money. They've never been out of the group stage of one of these major tournaments, whether it's the World Cup or the Euros. So they don't have much to lose, and they will, will absolutely go for it because why not, right? Playing with house money, run for it. Croatia. I want to touch on this because, yes, they're regarded as an amazing team, and they are a, a, a pretty incredible outfit. They've, done, they've accomplished some quite surprising things, especially what they did at the World Cup. But I have a feeling that this generation – is kind of done. I think that that World Cup run was the best that we'll see from Croatia for quite some time. Yes, they still have quality players. Yes, they still have a certain way about them. There's a culture in the way this team runs, an identity in the way that they they don't stop. They 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 play with quality and energy all the way through. But maybe this is just going to be a bridge too far. If they struggle against either Scotland or the Czech Republic, it, it, it'll be a clear sign that this just isn't really happening anymore until they can freshen things up a little bit. Some of the young, young players can start to establish themselves in the team. But a lot of the consternation comes from England having three home games at Wembley. Scotland have a couple of home games, I believe, as well. 
So that gives those two a real good opportunity. And then you've got the Czech Republic who they also have very little to lose. And they've been playing very well recently. On top of that, think about the season that a lot of their players have had. If you just take, first off, the ones that are probably the most high profile, Vladimir Sufal and uh, Thomas Susek from West Ham, their season was exceptional. But on top of that, Slavia Prague, who have a lot of the players that are in this national team, they made a very deep run in Europe. They knocked Leicester out of the competition. They knocked, they knocked um, Arsenal out of the competition, or almost did. And, and, and they knocked Rangers out of the competition as well. Almost, almost got by Arsenal. They were, I, I think, well set up. And now the Czech Republic have a bunch of players who are coming off of a very good campaign. Something that can really help when you've got a unit of not superstars, but a team that's coming, solid identity, know what you want to accomplish. So look, the Czech Republic, I think, are going to make things very difficult in every single game they play. I'm picking England to go through. And then honestly, I think it's a toss-up between all three teams. So why don't I just go ahead and jump? Because this is the one when I was writing down all my lists and I would circle who the two teams were that would get out of the group. This is the only one that to this moment yet I have not circled something. So on the spot right here, I'm going to go ahead and plunk in on Scotland. I don't really know why aside from maybe it's just the story of it, right? I do think Croatia have the highest chance of flopping from this group. And I think the Czech Republic and Scotland are even in terms of what they could just, what kind of surprise they could pull. But the Scots having a couple games at home, we'll go ahead and go with them. Group E, Poland, Slovakia, Spain, Sweden. Three S's in there. It's kind of funny. Well, look, Poland, they have Robert Lewandowski. They have a few other players, obviously plenty of good, solid talent, but Leva, come on, please show us you're not just the most outstanding number nine in the world for Bayern Munich. I, I have yet to see Lewandowski really turn in a great performance at any of these major tournaments, and it's almost as if maybe the service isn't good or or they haven't figured out a way to really get the most out of him, or maybe he puts too much pressure on himself. I don't really know, but it would be nice to actually see him deliver in this year that he has been so, so, so excellent. So I think Poland, because Lewandowski is the player he is, and I think knows that he has never really been able to deliver on the biggest stage for his country, I think there's just a lot that's going to grease the wheels for Poland to be strong. Look, Slovakia, they're a team that has very little to lose. They, they have some good players, but I don't think that they have a whole lot more that's going to get them through to the next round when you consider Spain and Sweden are also in the group. So I think they're going to be in this group kind of to make up the numbers. Of course, there's always a third-place wild card available, and this is one of those groups where, depending on who you beat, you got a real chance. I think Sweden are a beatable team. There's no Zlatan, possibly no Kulisevsky, and he tested positive for COVID. Hopefully for him, he can return soon enough. But, I mean, you know, relying on Emil Forsberg, there's just not a whole lot there for Sweden. And I, I, I think that though they are going to be, they're always going to believe in themselves. They're always going to play well. They're always going to try. They're always going to make something of any match they play. But are they going to be better than Poland? And are they going to make sure that they beat Slovakia to give themselves the best chance? I'm not sure. Now, what I do think is Spain are favorites in this group. 
And I know that everyone's saying that they're going through so much turmoil right now, right? I mean, what? They played basically with a group of under-21s uh, uh, and and who won 4-5-0. I don't all because of this Sergio Busquets test positive for COVID. Bang, it turns into this whole entire team lockdown thing. People in bubbles, all kinds of random extra squads brought up just in case. I mean, they're in a state of total turmoil. But you know what? When you go into a major tournament like this, sometimes the best thing that you can do if you're a country like Spain, who have really high expectations, but currently they don't have the players to meet those expectations. I mean, Xavi, Iniesta, Davivia. These guys are not playing in the team anymore. Sergio Ramos is not going, right? Like, there is a new generation here. And maybe having all this pressure taken off because the expectations are going to be so low, this might give Spain a real chance to play with some freedom. And I think they'll I think they'll walk through this group. Poland will obviously be a very difficult game for them, but I really, really do not think that they're going to struggle too much to exit the group. Once Spain get out, then we'll see. All right, we have to move on to Group F. Now, this is the group of death. It is, in my opinion, the least predictable of all the groups. I know a lot of people have said, well, look, France will beat Germany because Germany right now are not very good and Yugi Love. I mean, eh. It's like Thomas Muller said, we don't have guys who win the Ballon d'Or, but we have four stars on our jersey. There's a reason for that. And so anyone who's discounting Germany right now, I would say if you've already thrown them out, uh, you're making a mistake. I'm not saying that they're going to get out of the group. I'm not saying they're going to win the competition. I'm just saying that discounting the Germans is and has always been one of the worst things you can do in terms of not looking like a mug later because they're so consistent. And even if they have a flop like they did in the World Cup, you can almost be certain they're not going to let this happen twice in a row. I do think Yugi Love is... At the end of his rope, I mean, yes, obviously, he's leaving. Hansi Flick's going to be taking over once the Euros are done. But I'm not so sure he's got just the juice to make this really work and the sauce to make this really work. So we'll see. Now, France considered total favorites. Yes, I've got my France kit on from uh, back in 06 here. France are the favorites to win the competition because of their squad, because they're world champions, Yes, but look, as a France fan, one thing I can tell you is that when things, when conditions are this perfect, seemingly perfect, it doesn't work, right? You brought Kareem Benzema back in the side. Now, Oli Giroud's scoring goals, Benzema gets a dead leg, Antoine Griezmann scoring, Kylian Mbappe's upset. As a front line, and all the options that Didier Deschamps has, this is not the best way to go into a tournament with with genuine harmony. You have to remember, when they went to Russia, they were not considered favorites to win the competition. They are right now, and that target on your back, honestly, when teams are overwhelming favorites to win the competition, they rarely do it. Spain is one of the only teams I remember that I was like, they're the best team here. And they actually won the competition. That that was that era where they won back-to-back-to-back championships. Their first Euros, when they won it under uh, Luis Aragones. I remember being so impressed with the style of play, with how good they were. But they had the players. And it was just, hey, Spain's done it. They finally won. You know, this is great. But then you saw the Guardiola era at Barcelona start to take over. And then Spain became unbeatable for the next two tournaments. And it was so obvious 
France, in my opinion, do not look like that kind of team. They just have an, a, a crazy amount of talent. And they currently have a team that has World Cup medalists all over the place. So what, what, what's going to happen in this group? How are the how are the games going to individually go? Right, France Germany is is the first one for these two teams. Obviously, the winner of that is going to put themselves in incredibly good position to get out of the group, and the loser is going to be in big big trouble. I think France will get out of the group along with Portugal because I believe Portugal just have so much talent that they're gonna they're gonna rip Hungary apart. Uh, and I think Portugal will beat Germany. Now, before I just throw Hungary, you know, just off the bus, off the boat, whatever, I do want to say they will make games difficult. They are not going to be easy to beat. They probably will just make up the numbers in this group, and they will, and it's, and I think it will come down to which team can actually have that big performance against them. Uh, who can actually score the goals that are going to get them a better goal difference? Because I could very easily see Germany, France, and Portugal sort of all ending up on f- on five points. For five, they all draw against each other and they all beat uh, Hungary. Well, then it comes down to goal difference and which team gets their wheels going early. I mean, these in this group between France, Germany, and Portugal, there is no hit the ground running late. Like you have to hit the ground. Running, you can't be on. You, you can't be behind. You have to be right on point, right at the start, or you're going to be out. So I, I think it's going to be fascinating to see how that goes. Like I said, I do pick France and Portugal to get through, but only just. Um, and do I think Portugal would be the ones to to go out? No, I actually think France are more likely to be the ones to fall out if Germany actually do qualify. Ooh, don't love that. Here's what I'll say. I'm just so excited about the Euros. Um, I have a really, really fun set of memories with this competition. I rem- the first memories I have of the Euros goes back to Euro 1996 when I was visiting some family in England. We went and got fish and chips and watched the semifinal against the Germans, which was very, very sad and <laughs> just a crazy game. Oliver Bierhoff coming up. Trumps in that game. And then also the French losing to the Czech Republic that same night on penalties. It was a really gutting evening for, for me and my family. We were like, oh, man, both our teams were supposed to be in the final. Neither of them went. And I love that that kit, that England kit from Euro 96. Also the France one that had the the uh, the holes and the, and the the string to tie up at, uh, up at the neck. Then... There was Euro 2000, which for me was the mo- my favorite of all the Euros I've ever seen. This was a seminal tournament for me because France had just won the World Cup in 98, and they came into this tournament with the ultimate swag, won the whole competition in style. The final against Italy was an amazing game. I remember I was in, um, in Madrid in Spain uh, watching that one, and seeing David Trezeguet smash that volley into the top corner in the roof of the net right at the end after Sylvain Wiltor to equalize with no time left, really. I mean, what a, what a final that was. And also, Italy, because this jersey, the the white one, the Kappa one that I have behind me, this, this was the kit that they actually wore in this tournament. And I remember this was my discovery of Francesco Totti. This was the first time I saw someone do... A, a swag panenka in a penalty shootout at a major tournament. 
Um, there were so many things about that tournament that were exciting. I mean, the way the Dutch played and like the semifinal between the Dutch and the Italians, absolutely insane. The semifinal between France and Portugal, one of Zidane's most unbelievable performances of all time, where this photo comes from the Spain game, actually, where he curled in a beautiful free kick. I mean, overall, that tournament was so, so fantastic. I mean, the goals, the teams, it just had that feel for me. Over the course of the years, I think the Euros have always given us something, and I like the fact that the competition is a little bit bigger now. The last ones were super interesting, the way you had Portugal go all the way to the final and actually not win a single game in 90 minutes over the course of the whole thing. I mean, you got to love stories like this. I was with my family in Los Angeles. A bunch of us had France jerseys on, watching the final, and when Eder scored, I was just gutted, just gutted, because... My one of the best memories I have of the previous Euros was Dmitry Payet's smash against Ukraine in the first game. And, you know, now we're here. The Euros are beginning in just a little over an hour and a half. And we're all, we couldn't be more excited, right, as football fans. Take your memories from this. This is going to be a really, really fun month. I'm going to be keeping you guys up to date with everything I can. This is a big month for all of us podcasters. Hopefully I can give you guys daily episodes because that's the idea. Thanks so much. This is Campfire Football. The Euros have arrived.